Hello, and welcome to the Care to Change podcast. We thank you for joining us today. We are continuing our month of re-releasing our most popular podcast episodes, and today is a past conversation between April Bordeaux, our director, and Jean Crane, one of our counselors. You'll be hearing them discuss what to do when feeling stressed. We appreciate you listening and hope that this episode will give you some practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back to Care to Change podcast. Today's topic is what to do with all of this stress and who is this podcast not for, right? We all know that stress is at an all-time high right now. So we want to offer you practical solutions for positive change. So we're glad that you're here. I have a very special guest with me today, Jean Crane. And Jean and I have known each other for probably more than 10 years. We actually met because our children were at the same school. And so it was during what we used to call playdate. Our kids are too old for that now. But during a playdate, we learned that we were both therapists. And so really had a lot to talk about. And then when we started Care to Change, Jean was our very first hire our very first therapist. So Jean holds a very special place in my heart from a per- personal level and also a professional level. So Jean, thank you so much for coming today. I'm glad that you're here with you us. Bet. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? You have a lot of years of experience. What brought you to Care to Change? Sure. Well, I have been a licensed mental health counselor for I think 18 years. It keeps changing on me. But um, I was down at St. Francis Behavioral Health for a really long time, about 14 years working in their child and adolescent department and also running a postpartum group. And I loved it, a great place to work. And I really learned so much more about being a therapist from my work down there. But I just felt this calling kind of in my heart to number one, to serve the community in which I lived. And so when you started talking, you started talking to me maybe a couple years before you even decided to make that decision. I was like, hmm, there was just something in there. Like I might be interested in that, but I didn't know if you were interested in hiring me. But anyway, just being in the community. And then I felt like when I work with people who know I'm coming from a faith-based perspective, that brings me the most joy and I enjoy my job the most. And so combining those two factors along with like the excitement of just working in a new place and trying to help just build care to change. Um, God was just working in my heart and I feel like we talked a lot over those years, but he called me here and it's been an absolute privilege and blessing to work here. We love having you. It's so nice when you get to integrate what you believe with what it is that you do and what you've been trained to do. It's there's something, you know, just almost magical about it when you can just integrate all of that into one place. It's just very fulfilling. So I'm so glad that you're here. Tell those who are just joining us who may not know you yet, what would be if someone wanted to call Care to Change and they wanted to see you, what are the the top kind of three issues that you say, these are things I I really love to, to work with and help people through? Sure. Well, I've worked a lot with teenagers over the years, but my experience here at Care to Change has been a lot with women, and I have really enjoyed it. And I would say that um, depression, anxiety, mood disorders, and then trauma would be the areas that I most enjoy working with. And I I think it's been, I guess, a, a real pleasure to be able to see people make changes in those areas. So that, I guess, those would be probably my niches. Yeah. Yeah. And wow, that reaches a lot of people, those. Yeah. Um, because we know anxiety is um, really affecting a yeah. lot of people nowadays, um, especially. So 
today's topic, what to do with all the stress. And I almost, when thinking about this topic and today's recording, where do you, where do you even start? So someone comes to you and they say, I am stressed. I'm completely overwhelmed. I don't, I can't take another thing. The pressure is just too great for me. Tell us, tell those who are listening, where do you even start? How do you even begin to really peel back all of what's going on there? What do you do? Yeah. Well, it's a good question. I think there's a couple of things I would start with. When talking about stress, I think there's a difference between acute stress and chronic anxiety. But I know that we toss those two words around a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of sometimes hard to know the difference. But both of them have similar symptoms. We, you know, I think all of us know anxiety is that nervous apprehension. We have a lot of physical symptoms that go along with that, heart racing, chest pain, shakiness. People have all kinds of sorts of physical things that go along with it. But how I would differentiate the two is that stress is usually for a short period of time because there's a lot going on environmentally and anxiety is more of a chronic thing that somebody Mm -hmm. might struggle with for a longer period of time. So if you think about it, like if you're in school, a kid who's struggling with stress might be really stressed out during finals week. A kid who's struggling with anxiety would be somebody who has trouble going to school for the whole semester. So I I would start with that. And then when it comes to stress, I mean, obviously as a therapist, the very best thing I can start with is just say like, so let's just talk. You unpack it for me. Tell me what's going on in your life right now. And for all of us, like you said, who doesn't experience stress at Mm -hmm. times in their life personally and professionally, just all kinds of things going on all the time. So I really would want to start with just listening and saying, unpack it for me. What's going on in your personal life? What's going on in all of the realms? And you and I can both attest to the fact there's so much going on in our lives and in culture, so much that we're all carrying. And so that can even take an entire session, just kind of unpacking what's going on. That's probably where I would start. So, you know, someone says, I guess a good question might be for those who are are listening, um, you know, we have this mentality sort of in our culture, you know, you hear the term suck it up buttercup, which I hate to hear that um, because it's so not validating that sometimes we need to reach out for help. But um, so a question, you know, that I know we hear when we're out talking, how do you know when it's the kind of stress that says, I probably need to call a professional versus I need to have a girl's night out, right? Right. Or I need to go to my prayer closet or something like that. At what point do you say, you know what, this is probably when it's time to go ahead and and call someone. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's great to have your girl's night out or your exercise group or, you know, whatever, so that you can regularly let go of some of that stress. I love my friendships where I can just kind of pour it all out and I feel safe to share. So it's really important. But I would say that if it's starting to impair your functioning, so if you're noticing that even though you are reaching out and you are spending time and you're talking to somebody else, but you notice it's hard to concentrate, you're not feeling the same level of joy or motivation that you used to have. You're feeling hopeless about the future. You know, you're not able to do the things that you need to do for your job or take care of your kids or your life the way that you need to. To me, then I think it would be time to call. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think I think in a good way, the stigma of going into counseling mm-hmm. is being reduced. And so, so many people seek a counselor. I've seen a counselor in my past. I currently see a counselor just because it feels so good to go and unload that mm-hmm. stress, even if it is just an environmental period of time that you need to. Right. There's something so sacred about going to a place and you can walk in and just share everything 
and you don't have to see them at church or you and have a conversation or, you know, in life group and you don't yes. have to go home to them because it's your spouse. Yes. Like <laughs> there's something very sacred about that space when you're talking to a therapist or counselor, yes. like I can leave it all there. And I know when I shut the door, I don't have to worry about it coming back. Yes. And, and I have, you know, I face it when I choose to face it. Yes. And Agreed. I know one of the things that we say is, you know, when people ask the question, is it time for me to go see a therapist? Like if someone's asking it, it probably is. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's time. So, so say, um, someone calls and they say, you know what? I really liked hearing what Jean had to say. I kind of know she's going to just ask me to talk a little bit about it. Now what? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, you know, acute stress or chronic stress. Okay. Name it one or name it the other here. Let me just tell you everything about it. Mm-hmm. Now what do I do? So mm-hmm. what's, what's the next step? What do you do after that? Well, as a therapist, I don't necessarily think it's my role to tell somebody exactly how they need to order their life so they can reduce stress because, well, personally, I don't really like it when somebody does that for me. Cause I want to say, come live my life. You don't know what it's like <laughs> to believe in me. So I think of it as a team effort that once they've kind of shared here are the major areas that I'm struggling in, then we talk together about, so let's, let's ask some questions. Let's start to think, are there any things that we can do that could reduce stress for you? Are there any ways that could help you to feel more relaxed and rejuvenated and refreshed? And I love that part because it's fun. I tell people all the time, there are so many suggestions since I've worked in this field for a really long time. I literally have lists and lists of things I can give for people and everyone's different. So that's what's great about it is that I can give them a couple of tips or ideas that they could try and utilize at home during the next couple of weeks before they come back and they can come back and say, oh yeah, that was really beneficial or you know what, that one didn't work for me. Let's try some others, you know, because there's all kinds of different ways. There's physical ways to relax. There's cognitive restructuring, meaning changing the way that you think. And some of the things that we'll talk about as far as practical tips today have to do with those. There's obviously the practice of our faith and how important and rejuvenating that can be and just regular life strategies that all work with that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just because we're blessed as therapists to get to work with people, I think that we have a lot of experience and ideas for them when they come in. So before we go into like the actual practical things that you might say to someone, you bring up faith. And I know that that's an important component for us, all of us here at Care to Change. But, you know, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect sometimes. And when when someone comes in, talk about the connection between faith and anxiety. You know, because mm-hmm. we hear, just pray about it. Listen to, you know, Christian mm-hmm. music. Read your Bible more. And mm-hmm. so is it possible to be a Christian and experience anxiety? Is it possible mm-hmm. to do all of these things and still have anxiety. Can you talk about the relationship to kind of break down some of the walls that I think some people might have, or, you know, some thoughts that people might have from what they grew up learning or something just about, you know, just faith and anxiety. Yeah, That's a really good point. I definitely think that it's important for people to know that you can be a Christian. You can be a surrendered follower Mm -hmm. of Jesus who reads the word and prays and still struggles with anxiety. So just to know, to say, just pray about it more, just read your Bible more, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to fix all of those problems. Although I still definitely recommend doing those things. Mm -hmm. Just, I think the relationship with faith and anxiety 
on a good side is that when you know that there's a God who loves you and cares for you and created you for purposes and plans that are amazing, and you know that he's ultimately in charge and taking care of you, and you remind yourself of those kinds of truths, it brings perspective. And so keeping that in mind is just kind of in an underlying way, just knowing that is really important and can kind of recenter. So yeah, chemically and environmentally, there can be, still be a lot of stressors going on and you can experience those physical symptoms, but it's just a way of recentering, a way of reminding yourself of the truth when you remember who God is and how much he cares. So good. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So I know I've prayed. I know I've, um, recentered. I know that I have purpose, but I'm still experiencing a lot of stress. I've just come to see you. I've just kind of, blah, just told, <laughs> you know, everything give, give the listeners maybe, you know, a few tips and what, what are some things that sort of across the board, we know that if someone is experiencing a lot of stress, maybe even anxiety, what are some things that would be helpful? So um, anytime that you go see a therapist, you're probably going to hear this from them, but it is really, especially for anxiety, it's really important. And the number one tip that I would give to people, and I promise if you ever came in and talked to me, we would talk about this, and that is to just breathe. And it sounds so simple. It's like, well, yeah, we're all breathing, but the taking of deep breaths. So we teach something called square breathing in here. And um, it's just a way to slow down your breathing. And I can just show you, even right now, you just, you breathe in and you hold it and then you breathe out and you hold it out. And even if you do that three times, which seems like, what does that take, 15 seconds? Even doing that three times, what you've just done is you've told your brain that it can relax. Like your brain says to your body, it's okay. I can I can start to calm down. You've sent oxygen throughout your whole body, so you just feel a relaxation and even your muscles. And so sometimes in the middle of the day, in the beginning of the day, middle of the day, end of the day, we just need to take a minute, even if it's just one minute and just breathe. And for me, um, as a person who loves Jesus, sometimes when in breathing, I try to just think about the presence of Jesus just for one minute. Mm -hmm. And it just takes everything down a notch. And so it's very simple. Everybody breathes. No one's going to make fun of you for doing it. But that's just my number one tip. Like just take a breath. And if you're a person who loves the Lord and has faith, breathe in Jesus and remember Mm -hmm. his presence. The Lord is near. He's always with you. Um, So that's my number one tip. Uh, Number two, I'm really a big proponent of this. And that is Uh, get yourself into an exercise routine. I know this can be really hard. We have different phases of life. I'm in a stage of life right now. I have four kids, 17, 15, 13, and 11. So we are really Mm -hmm. busy. So if exercise isn't carved into your life, it's really hard to build that habit. And I understand that. So when I'm talking to people about how to start an exercise routine, I say put it into your calendar just like it's an appointment. Figure out when you can stick it in there and make it happen. And you don't have to be a morning person. I'm a morning person. That makes it a lot easier because, you know, not very many people call up and say, hey, you want to get together at 6.15 tomorrow morning? Right. But evenings are a little bit harder. But if you're a morning person, it can be easier to say like, here's my time. 
but my husband reminds me he's not a morning person. That is not the time. That is not going to work for me. And I think it's a really great thing some people do in mm-hmm. their lunch hour. What a great way to just kind of split up the day and to get those positive endorphins mm-hmm. going and that blood flowing and their brain just back to mm-hmm. working its best. Um, and then some people at the end of a long day, that's just a de-stressor. Right. But no matter when you do it, carve it out and put it into your routine just like you would with an appointment that you have to be at because the benefits are amazing. It's really the best behavioral thing you can do. It helps you sleep better. Of course, you're going to feel stronger. It's a good way to take care of your body. And those endorphins are so great after you get done. And I really don't know anybody who goes and works out and says like, I feel so much worse. I mean, maybe if you're sick or something, but most people say, man, I feel, I just feel better after I get it done. You know what? One of the things Tracy here on our team, what she taught me when we were talking about this, how to fit it into your schedule, like wow, an hour a day, plus you have to, you know, drive there if you're going to a gym, plus your shower. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not just the hour that you're actually exercising, it's the prep before and after, mm-hmm. especially if you have kids, right? You yeah. have to plan what's going to happen with your kids. And one of the things that she said was, it doesn't have to be an hour straight, right? So you That's can do good. 20 minutes before you go to work and 20 minutes when you get home, as long as you're moving. And I love the idea of yeah. like, little bits through the day because then you know start to feel sluggish mm-hmm. like oh I'm starting to feel that stress yeah well if I go out for a short walk in the middle of the day it yes. doesn't have to be where I'm I'm running or Getting I'm doing sweaty. kickboxing like yeah. just go out and intentionally move mm-hmm. my body then again that little release of endorphin kind of like okay the breath work and yes. so it doesn't have to be you know one hour at the beginning of the day it can be a little you know a couple mm-hmm. times shorter during the day or I really love that you know and so that actually yeah. sort of relieves stress too yeah like, oh, if I don't get an hour in, I'm, you know, failing at the exercise Mm -hmm. piece. And well, who said you have to do an hour all at once? Oh, well, great idea. Really good suggestion. Right? So, so practical, you know, for those of us, I don't like the morning. I'm like, oh, an hour earlier in the morning, but 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I can do that. Right? Yeah. So... That's good. What else? I would say just to add a couple more things to the exercise thing. One is that the first five minutes can sometimes be the hardest. So just get your clothes on and just do five minutes. And then sometimes you're like, well, I'm already out here. I might as well keep going. And then you're through the hardest part. So I think, I think that that's just an extra little tip in getting an exercise routine going that can be helpful. The other thing is don't do something that you hate because if you hate it, you're not going to keep doing it. So, I mean, I like to jog, but other people don't like to jog and I totally get that. So I tell people, don't try to become a jogger. If you hate it, don't do that. Go for a walk. Even if you're walking slow, you're moving your body. It's such a beautiful time Mm -hmm. to get out. Even if it's in the middle of winter, it sometimes feels kind of good to just get out there and, Mm -hmm. and feel the cold. So don't do something you hate. Do something that you don't hate. Maybe you don't love it, but you don't hate it. That's good. That's yeah. really good. I know yeah. my husband says, I don't, I'm not, I can't go to the gym and do kickboxing, yeah. but he's out there riding his bike and yeah. he walks Find a lot. Something. And so there are mm-hmm. options. There's lots yeah. of options. So breathing, intentional breathing is one. Intentionally moving your yep. body is another one. What's, what's another one that you would Yeah, try? I'll just end with this one. Um, this one is just being studied more and more in um, psychological research and it's gratefulness. And so just, this is a, a cognitive skill and it also requires practice, just like breathing requires practice and exercise. You got to get into the routine, but gratefulness too, depending on our circumstances, especially if we're feeling stressed, it's hard for you to get your brain to go in that direction of things you're thankful for, because it just like automatically goes in that direction of like things that are stressing mm-hmm. you out and the hard things. But if you intentionally, again, 
put this into your routine and you say to yourself, like, I'm going to think about 10 things that I'm grateful for mm-hmm. every day. Or I'm going to keep a journal and I'm going to write down the things that I'm blessed and to have. And sometimes those things can look like I'm really grateful that I have two legs that still walk. I know there's a guy named Nick. I can't remember right, his right. last name. So he um, he goes around and speaks motivationally. He doesn't have arms or legs. And the thing about him that always impresses me is that if he can keep a good attitude, then so can I because I still have my appendages. Mm-hmm. So there's always things to be thankful for if you really kind of like let yourself go there. And what it does, again, it does that same thing. It increases the endorphins in our mm-hmm. brain. It builds new neural pathways. All of a sudden, we start to go into gratefulness more easily. It's a huge blessing it's contagious so when other people are grateful it helps you to be grateful so again many benefits to the practice of gratefulness somewhat simple something that anyone can do I love that I love that I know with stress we do we tend to focus on well what I have to do what I have to get done what didn't I get done today Mm -hmm. and one of the things that we say a lot control what you can control and gratitude Mm -hmm. is something we completely Mm -hmm. have control over whether or not we choose to focus on what we're grateful for so I love those tips What I want to recognize is, you know, there are people who, you know, they're overwhelmed, they feel stressed, maybe they have anxiety, they will practice breathing, they will exercise, pray, you know, practice their faith, use gratitude, and it's just not making a difference. So these are simple strategies. So I want to just really encourage the people who are listening that, If these are things that you're working on and you've tried them that, you know, that's when it's time, you know, reach out that Mm -hmm. sometimes it, it does require more. Maybe there's something underlying the reason why maybe there's something more chemical or biological happening. And so it might need to be addressed differently, but to just, I want to recognize that because we want to practice all of these good things, but sometimes it does require a little bit more. Right. And so that's the time to reach out Mm -hmm. uh, to a trusted counselor or therapist, you can call us, whatever, Um, as long as they're reaching out for help. If those things just, maybe it helps for the moment, but it's just not overall giving them the victory that they want to feel in their lives. Right. So Mm -hmm. what book or resource, website link, whatever it is, what one resource would you say if if you're experiencing stress, because gosh, there are so many books about (laughs) stress, right? So what one, what resource would you offer? Yeah, I'm just going to mention one that I recently read that I enjoyed. So a lot of the time when we're experiencing stress, it's because we're busy. And so figuring out how can I find that right pace, that right balance. And so Lisa Turkhurst wrote a book called Your Best Yes. Mm. And it just helps kind of clarify. So are you doing the things that like God is calling you to do and finding that right pace of life. And so it's not for anyone else to say for your life, but just as a way to read and kind of think through for yourself. So that's one that I would recommend. Perfect. Perfect. So there you have it. Try that. And thank you, Jean, for joining us. Really appreciate you coming again. I know that this is just a very short, very small way to address this very big issue that so many people are facing. There is not a person that doesn't feel stress at some point. So we want to be a resource for you. If you need something, if you have questions that we haven't answered today, I know this is a big topic. Feel free to text or call our care line. We would be happy to answer those questions for you. And we are here for you. Please let us know what we can do to help you and know that we're all in this together and we're here as a resource. Thanks all for joining us. Thank you.
you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast. To see resources mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes below. If you have questions from this episode or would like to hear more, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Again, we thank you for joining us and hope we have offered you practical solutions for positive change.